gamers, welcome to Games and Feelings, an advice show about playing games, being human, and dealing with the fact that those games involve other humans. I am your host and question keeper, Eric Silver, and my highest D&D ability score is Constitution because I've competed in multiple dumpling eating contests. That's true. <laughs> uh, hello, I'm Jen De La Vega, and my highest D&D score is I don't know because I don't play D&D. <laughs> I play Shadowrun. Oh, no. Okay, so it's what is your highest Shadowrun ability score? My highest Shadowrun score is willpower because I'm a scary, powerful water witch. Ooh. That's fair. That's very fair. Um, also, I heard that your highest Shadowrun score is knowing how to use a calculator for an extended <laughs> period of time. I have formulas in my spreadsheet, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Julie Shafini, and my highest ability score in D&D is not strength, which is surprising. <laughs> you didn't say what it was. You said it not what it was. It's not strength. You would think that it is strength. It's not strength. Got it. From the entire vibe and all of the characters I play, it should be strength, you would think. but it's not. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, both of you, for coming. Uh, we're going to answer some uh, advice questions about games all over the gaming spectrum. I heard uh, you two like games. Is that correct? You called me a gamer in the intro of this, and I was like, oh, <laughs> am I? Oh, no. I don't know if I've ever identified myself as a gamer, but I think I would say yes now. That's fair. Uh, we're going to have a long discussion about the ethics of gaming journalism after this. Oh, boy. So just mental careers. <laughs> Should we got more qualified people than us? <laughs> well, our first segment, we're going to look into some NFAQs, some not so frequently asked questions. I'm going to ask you both one question that you are very, very uh, knowledgeable about that I think uh, might be helpful to the gamer community. Gamers. Gamers. Uh, Jen, let me ask you a question. Yes. Uh, you spend quite a lot of time at Wonderville, which is the Brooklyn home for independently made arcade games. It is half bar, half artcade, which yes. is very great. Thank you so much to whoever wrote that on the uh, website for Wonderville. Uh, and your job is curating the hot dog program. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my favorite thing about this is one, how incredible the hot dogs are. But the second thing is that each hot dog is named after a video game that pairs with the ingredients that you've kind of put together. What makes a good name for a hot dog that makes the hot dog sound delicious, but also is video gamey enough? So this is actually part of a game in itself where every week I'll come up with a recipe for the hot dog toppings, but I don't have a name for it. So I'll tweet it to our community and say, help me name the hot dog and you could win a free one on me. Mm. Or I'll Venmo you so that you can get a hot dog where you live. <laughs> and so I would say that the ones that get the most attention are like game puns and portmanteaus. What do you mean portmanteaus? What are we putting together? It is like food plus video game character name that's being smushed together? Yeah, and it's it spanned all sorts of games. So Wonderville hosts a spectrum of independently made games, but uh, all the references to the hot dogs are from old games, tabletop games, movie game references. It, it's all over the place. For example, the last 
hot dog is called the Belmont because it has tons of garlic in it, like from Castlevania. My favorite mashup name was Pancit at the Disco Elysium. Jesus Christ. There's a that, lot that happening That one's a mouthful. There. So Pancit is a Filipino noodle dish that I, you know, stir fried and brought as a topping for the hot dogs. I believe the person who came up with that was named Chris Hernandez. Uh, he's also part of the organization uh, behind Wonderville. So Wonderville is made up of um, a nonprofit and a for-profit side. So the nonprofit is all about curation and making games and uh, just being around them and supporting the community. So Chris came up with Panic at the Disco Elysium, which is both a band name and a video game. So incredible. We we love those kinds of smart hot dog names. <laughs> I can only imagine the number of exclamation points at the end because it's both an exclamation point for Panic at the Disco, but also telling us that there's a quest here and we need to go talk to them at the end. Yeah. Like (laughs) other examples of the Mango Kazooie. That's so good. Really good. good. That one's a Mango Chutney Dog. Um, We also have uh, the Razor Leaf. You know, favorite Bulbasaur attack. So it ranges from, you know, deep references in video games to video game titles and characters. And, uh, you know, we have like a long list of requests now. Because we did the Belmont, we need an Alucard, of course. Of course. That's a hot dog, but you spell it backwards. Oh, that's such a good idea. It's just a regular hot dog, but you just refer to everything. All of its uh, ingredients are backwards. Or you put it backwards on the hot dog. Like if you would put the ketchup, the ketchup would be on the bottom and then it would be swapped. (laughs) If I could find a way to solidify ketchup and make it the bun. Jen, if there was anyone to do it, it would truly be you. (laughs) I will say like I've looked into, I got like really into during the pandemic kind of like the molecular gastronomy. Mm. And I really like (laughs) the idea of being able to like turn things into like caviar like weird like yeah. you oh, know like yeah. little bobas almost and i'm like can you do that with ketchup spirification yes <laughs> yeah i'm usually not into molecular gastronomy because my computer can't handle 60 uh wiley do frames per second <laughs> bang <laughs> Woo! that was a deep fucking reference <laughs> That was pretty good. That's a deep New York cut. That's very good. Is that only people who love both Top Chef and video games this much are really going to get in there. Um, <laughs> so, Julia, you've heard of the game Hades, right? I've dabbled. For those of you who don't know, very popular game of the year from, uh, God, time means nothing. I want to say last year. Who really knows? It was what in the that pandemic time. And uh, it was based around um, Prince of the Underworld escaping from Greek mythology hell, basically. And also uh, all of the gods were super hot. It's true. So hot. So hot. Is so hot. there something that future game developers should take from Hades if they want to use mythology as a basis of their next game. Yes, two things that immediately pop into mind. Gods are basically just archetypes, so you can apply any archetype to any god or like translate that into anything. So like making, for example, Hades makes Dionysus into just like a dude bro party frat boy. And that's fine because that is what Dionysus would be in the modern age. You know what mm. I mean? And I think feel like 
people are afraid of like, oh, well, if we're going to be taking from source material, we have to make sure that it's correct. And I vaguely remember stumbling upon some like bullshit Hades discourse where someone was like, well, it's kind of weird because when you think about it, like in the video game Hades, Lord Hades is married to his cousin. And I'm like, yeah, guys, that's what Greek mythology <laughs> is. They're all married to each other. It's just it like you can't apply the same like modern purity to Greek mythology or mythology in general. Sure. The second thing is mythology is gayer than you realize. And it's totally okay Ooh. to make all the things gay. And so Hades gay. does a great job with that. I want more video games to make things very gay. I gotta say, when I found that out in the game in game, I was in under my blanket like Ooh. <laughs> I like hugged a pillow. I was like, oh goodness. <laughs> oh, also, this is a complete other aside. Let me romance more than one character and have end games with more than one character. It's bullshit right? that games make me choose when I have yeah. romanceable characters. No, I want everyone. Let me let me be the completionist that I am, especially in romance. Yeah. Don't make me feel like I made a wrong choice. Because it's not a wrong choice. Mm -hmm. I will say The Witcher really puts that, like, really yeah. hammers that home. When they, if you try to romance both of them, then they, like, what are they? They tie you they, up. Like, and team they up against you. you, yeah. Yeah, which is cool in a different way. If you're going to do that, at least make them John Tucker must die you. Yeah. Uh, I also think that, Julia, you're touching on something in your your, your first response, is mm -hmm. that especially if you're going to do the fucking classic mythologies, like, if you're going to go back to the well of Greek, Roman, Norse mythology. Do something else with it. Like, right. go do something else. Explore a different mythology, which I highly suggest you do, and, like, learn it, understand who the gods are. Don't just, like, half-ass it like you're doing with Egyptian uh, mythology. I fucking see you, Ubisoft. I see what you're doing. <laughs> um, like, if you're going to learn a, a set of gods that people don't know, like, make that as clear and exactly what it should be as possible. But if you're going to go back to the same classic well, do something else. Right. And also, like, keep in mind... The, even the Greeks couldn't agree on stuff, you know, like different poets were saying different stories and different tales. Like there's like 20 different tales of like, I don't know whether or not Persephone went down to the underworld voluntarily or if she was stolen away. And like no one's going to agree on what the actual canon is. So you might as well do something interesting with it. Hell yes. Wonderful. All right. Do y'all you, you want to get in some questions? Hell yeah. Oh, let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. Here is our first question. This comes from a wash in choice in Albuquerque. He, him pronouns. Uh, I enjoy many an open world game. However, there are time periods when I boot up my Skyrim or my Pokemon Legends Arceus or even my Animal Crossing and just feel kind of paralyzed by choice. I lose motivation to play the game because there's so much I could do, but mm. that I can't get it up to decide what to do. How do you deal with open world fatigue and getting back to actually having fun? Ooh, open world yeah. fatigue. My number one is that I never do the main quest. <laughs> never. Yes. I, I avoid that at all costs. Like main quest is always very, very last for me. Um, but sometimes what's so beautiful about open worlds is that you can just walk around. Like I watched a video about how taking a stupid little walk helps your mental health. That's Why don't true. you just take a stupid little walk in Skyrim? And then see what you stumble across. Right? I also get 
choice paralysis with a lot of open world games, which is why I typically don't. I'm very choosy about the open world games that I play. I need structure in order to play my game. I need them to be like, all right, well, here's a map. Here are like three things you could do on that map. Now you can choose. But if I like wander into a game and they're like, go nuts, guy, no map, no quests, find it yourself. I I just can't do that. Only vibes. You just got to use vibes. I can't to, use vibes. I need plans. <laughs> are are y'all hoarders in in these sorts of games? I am because I truly cannot stand inventory management. Mm. So I'm just like, if you're making inventory management the only way that I can like level up or beat the next boss, I'm like, well, I'm done with this game and I'm not going back to it. <laughs> yeah. I always I always sell stuff. Me I too. really, I, I'm not as allergic to inventory management as Julie is, but then like I do the opposite thing, which is where I'd rather have dollars or if your dollars and experience points are the same, I'd rather have that than like the 5,000 swords that I have because I always just end up maining a weapon or some sort or mm -hmm. my armor. And then I'm like, I don't need this. And of course, if I want to change, I'm like, fuck, I should have held on to that. Yeah. I, my 2022 mantra is use your inventory. So pretty mm. much all long-term games that I'm playing, even on tabletop and in open worlds and even my freaking pantry in my kitchen, I'm like, hey, let's just use up all this stuff we haven't touched in a while and see what other new stuff we can make room for. And even just spending the time doing that, you know, doing your Marie Kondo of your <laughs> inventory um, is pretty helpful because then you're going to be like, wait a minute, I've never tried this before, or I've never tried leveling up my alchemy, or I've never tried fighting with this thing. Maybe I should get good at this. And that usually helps me decide if I want to pursue something or not. I mean, that's another example of choice paralysis, right? Is like you hold on to certain things mm -hmm. in your inventory because you're like, I never know if I'm going to need that, especially in like D&D &D, where I'm like, if it's a one use item, I'm going to save that until yeah. like the very last minute because I never know whether or not I'm going to need that later. Yeah. And that's the thing. Those kinds of items are like, they have the tag on them. They're going to tell you, like, this is the one sword you need to beat Ganon. This is the master <laughs> ball. Everything else literally is disposable and can be replaced. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the thing that I struggle with a lot, and I think this has happened to me in Elden Ring, which is the the main open world thing that I'm I'm dealing with right now, is that, like, I had to find intention. Like, how do you stumble into the thing which is like, this is what I'm going to do today? Sometimes I think about if I could just go onto a website that was like, here's some hot shit you can do <laughs> if you feel stuck on this game. Uh, I wish I could have that. They're just like, go here and then finish this quest line. Yeah. Like, how, how do you find the thing that is going to pull you to, like, let you pour four more hours into this open world game? Mm -hmm. So I've been replaying the Sony Spider-Man game recently. Mm. And I find that, like, if I'm going to open up that game and I have, like, I'm doing that thing where it's like the final boss battle is imminent. And I'm just like, I'm going to do all the side quests right everything now. Everything else. Everything else. <laughs> so, like, I kind of have to decide for myself being like, is this the one where I'm going to just, like, swing around each neighborhood to kind of grind out all of the crimes in that neighborhood? Is this going to be a day where I do all the Taskmaster challenges? And I just feel like feeling myself out and figuring out, like, okay, well, today feels like this kind of day 
helps me to like decide, oh yeah, okay, this is the side quest we're going to do, or this is the like grinding we're going to do. Like, I don't mind putting in a couple of hours of just swinging around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Elden Ring is unique in that it doesn't have a guidance system, right? Like, as right. far as I've, I've heard, I haven't played it myself. It's very, like, go forth and do whatever you want, mm. which I think is, is exactly the thing that Julia hates, but That's I true. think it's in a very sort of, like... I mean, we could listen. We could talk about how everything is turning into an open world game, <laughs> and how AAA developers in the West, especially, are like, "Oh, we gotta give the people what they want. And they love and what we're doing around." Where I think that there's a very sort of like Zen, a uh, go figure it out for yourself that comes from FromSoft. Japanese company looking at uh, open world games in kind of a different way, where it's it feels intentional. Like, yeah, figure it out. It's it's yours. Um, and I feel like at least they're doing that intentionally mm -hmm. for you to like discover and figure and go around and figure it out. I mean, are y'all notebook people? Because I am. <laughs> like in terms of like physical notebooks, uh -huh. I've never utilized physical oh. notebooks for like gaming. But like I, I am a notebook person because I have ADHD and writing down everything I need to do is important. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a huge to do list and notebook kind of person. Like if I'm having a bad day, I'll go to the Staples and go get a blank notebook. <laughs> You know, and I have a pile of blank notebooks. But I started this habit way back when I was playing Fez. Yes. You remember okay. that game? Incredibly difficult. Yeah, incredible, incredible game. And when you think you've beaten it, you're actually only 30% to completion. <laughs> and yeah. so there are all these other puzzles that you didn't realize are in the background of every scene. And so I started a notebook of you know, how the whole map worked out and wait, I haven't explored this avenue. I don't know this thing. So I started doing that with games that don't have an in-game tracking or notebook system or mm -hmm. um, even Night in the Woods has like a notebook and it's not necessarily one that you draw in or anything, but this is mechanic of a lot of games where entries appear. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, now if you do a physical notebook for yourself, I know that sounds like a lot more work, but it does give me direction and it does give me a record of how I experience the game and in what order, because I know for a fact that other people will prioritize other things. And now I can reference it and be like, wait, you did this first? That's cool. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so curious as to why certain games don't include kind of notebook or history mechanics in their games because like no one and I shouldn't say no one but most people are not sitting down for 12 hours to play this game and mm. like maybe complete it most yeah. people are like doing it at a couple of hours maybe one or two hours and then check back in like when they have more free time and so I need to know where I left off right. you know yeah it's and it's silly to not include that like even if like you're not going to frame that as a accessibility tool, it does seem like something that you should remind me where we left off on things. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I think about how oh, man the the West, the AAA Western open world games like something that Ubisoft would make. And again, shout out to Ubisoft for doing a bad thing. Um, is how it's chalk with icons, so you can run to the icon, but then it disappears once you clear it. Mm. But it doesn't give you any sort of indication that you 
completed this lately like mm-hmm. what if every single event that you did because you know it's scripted it's like you could check and see what the last thing you did was if yeah. you looked at like I don't know you had an in-game notebook even and the last thing you crossed off was like oh I cleared out this mine that was filled with bugbears uh, then I was like oh yeah I, the, the bugbear thing I did that two, two weeks ago that sounds great that would be really really helpful that was one of the things that I really liked playing Outer Worlds which I know like people have mixed feelings about Outer Worlds and as in like I guess it's like pretty much an open world game but as a person who doesn't like love open world games Everything I did showed up on my tasks list. It showed me like subtasks that needed to be completed (laughs) in order to finish that big task. It showed me which ones I fucked up and which ones I actually completed. And the only reason I probably kept playing that game is because I loved the like dopamine hit of seeing Mm. something like checked off on that list. Is which what is the difference between Outer Worlds and Outer Wilds? Which one is which? Outer Worlds (laughs) is the same people as like Fallout, New Vegas. And like, it's very like open world shooter, but at the same time, like it's a lot of like RP and decision making and like trying to convince people to like help you and that kind of thing. Whereas Outer Wilds, I think is something I haven't played Outer Wilds, but it's something with like planets and you have 20 minutes to do a thing. Is that the one I'm thinking? Yes. Outer Wilds is the time loop one while Outer Worlds is just open world space. Capitalism is bad. Outer world space. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Got it. Um, Going back to The Witcher 3, um, they did something that I don't think many games do because I think of file size. It's probably too much to like do every time. But when you did come back to the game, they would replay some of the cutscenes or be like, you know, um, you have just gone through blah, blah, blah. Just like a a GM's quick overview, like the big swings (laughs) of of what you just completed. And it'd be rad if, if it was more granular than that. And really specific to your journey, but I know that's not that's not an open world game. You boot up your game and you ask your video game what happened last time, and then your video game says you don't remember. Wow, wow! I spent all this last time, time doing this. On... <laughs> so, uh, what do you? Can you tell me what happened in the last playthrough that we just did? <laughs> yeah, the game does that to you, like you do to us on Join the Party. <laughs> yeah, because I want you. Yeah, I want you guys to remember the thing that I did. And the game won't start, or you'll like lose progress if you don't remember certain things that you did. Terrible. <laughs> it's a multiple choice question. If you get the wrong one, it shuts down for five minutes. Oh, what no. is your quest? <laughs> Jen, honestly, I the entire time that we've been having this conversation, I've been thinking about how to turn your apartment into like a fantasy style item shop where you're yeah. there and you're like, what do you need, traveler? Do you need a... <laughs> I'm not a TikTok person, but I do follow this person on TikTok and Instagram. Have you seen Quincy's Tavern before? No. It's just this like real chill dude who like pretends he's a tavern person in like a fantasy game or like a D&D <gasps> thing and he'll like make little recipes and he'll be like what's up traveler it seems like you're having a bad day you want to tell me about it i'm like i do quincy i do want to tell you about it i would love to spill the town tea there's some bandits under the bqe <laughs> <laughs> probably i've just been making this uh chimichurri uh can i tell you about some monsters that have been <laughs> around in greenpoint yeah. Oh my god, that's my new Twitch show. Do it, Jen. You need to do it. You got to come up with a character and a character voice and then just show off the things in your pantry. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This cure is uh, vampire breath and also it's delicious when you toast it. Ironically, it's like a garlic confit. Yeah. (laughs) Which I have in the fridge. 
I'm going to come over. My next quest is coming over and eating whatever is in your fridge, truly. Hell yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Eric. Welcome to the snack break. I'm eating peanut butter pretzels from Trader Joe's, the salted ones. It's dangerous. I'm going to eat the whole bag, and I told Amanda not to get them, but she did, and now I'm eating the whole bag, because I know myself, and I'm eating the entire bag. Thank you, everyone, who has been on this journey with us in the beginning of Games and Feelings. This is episode four. It feels like the show has been up forever, and I'm just so, so thankful. So please keep telling people about the show. The best way to grow any podcast is through word of mouth. So tell anyone who loves games or advice shows that this could be their new favorite podcast. Hello to our newest patrons, Ali, Lada, Megan, Katie, and our first producer-level patron, Polly Burridge. Thank you so much, Polly. You're all incredible, all of you new patrons. You gotta make sure to hop on the Patreon at patreon.com slash games and feelings. Here are the two big things to need to know. If we hit 100 patrons, we are going to go weekly immediately. But if you want to join at the $5 level, you get the feed of bonus questions where Amanda, my partner in Life, Love, and Podcasting, comes on and shows me Dear Abby, Dear Prudence, and other historical advice columns where they ask questions about games and then we answer them. We have recorded like four in one day because we are having so, so much fun recording these bonus questions. So you got to hop on at just the $5 level. If you love that, you want to get priority questions, you want to hear your name every single episode, or you want an hour of my time to do whatever games-related stuff you want with me, you got to join patreon.com slash games and feelings. We are sponsored this week by Multitude because it's the best time of the year. It's Multitude Survey Summer. This is your chance to give us feedback on what you think of our shows and what you want to see next. Suggest new merch. Tell us where we should do live shows. Name your favorite small business as a potential sponsor. It is all at multitude.productions slash survey. You can also give feedback on Games and Feelings, which I would love because it's a new show. So I want to hear what you have to say about it. We got 1,200 responses last year, and we want to beat it this time around. Enjoy our photos, emojis, and fun-filled questions at multitude.productions survey. That is multitude.productions survey. And now, back to the games. All right, let's go to another question. We have one about uh, being a more fun tabletop RPG player. This is from Bra Bra, uh, but I also, when they don't include like fun advice names, I come up with ones for them. And uh, I decided that this is from I'm Jokes the Bard. <laughs> jokes the Bard. Jokes the Bard. I tell jokes. I'm Jokey McJokerson. I'm a bard, and I was born from a, out of a butt. And that's my whole character. How can you be a good and involved player who does fun, and then parentheses, funny, uh, things that also contribute to the story? So how do you balance doing fun and funny things with, like, the moving the plot forward? I think you just have to figure out how your character would respond to situations and then embrace that wholeheartedly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I was recently, I was explaining to my husband the running joke on Join the Party about St. Peter and Anubis, <laughs> which for listeners of this show, if you haven't listened to Join the Party, hey, you should do that. You but also should. in our universe, Anubis is the god of death and that's the only afterlife and everything, all the other religions are wrong. Ah. And I play a 
very Italian Roman Catholic character. Uh. So when he suggested Anubis is the god of death, I immediately was like, you mean St. Peter, right? So, <laughs> like, and that's just a true thing. And now every time he brings up Anubis, I know to be like, well, Val won't accept that. Val continues to not accept that. So we can have those conversations and still make that joke, but still move the plot along. Yeah, yeah. I... Very much want to piggyback on the running joke thing. What really fuels the humor on Fun City are callbacks and also living in your character. That is so, so important. Uh, I already mentioned that I'm a notebook person, so my player sheet is, as my GM has described, a novella. So uh, I'm not very good at improvisation. I have a few comedians that are on my cast, and so they're very quick, quick, quick. And so I'm kind of always looking at at my character sheet at some pre-written stuff and like research that I've done about uh, sea creatures. So I'm a water witch, and there are many things that I can summon from clams to krill to you know walruses. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really fun to think about what will be funny in that moment like we were in a very cramped space and i'm like i'm gonna summon something to help us and i summoned like a very very large water buffalo in a small cramped space Naturally. and that really um you know drove a lot of the next actions and reactions from everyone else that's also so funny that you summoned a water buffalo as a water witch because it's like <laughs> that's so so tangential related know, to your aquatic so thing. funny <laughs> Also, to that point, what is the race of your character? And for those of you not listening to Fun City, you should. Shadowrun is not that scary. But it's set like a kajillion years in the future. And it's like neo-futurist. And also there's a lot of other stuff going on. So like you're like a you're like a lizard person. Oh, you're that's Float City. Oh, I'm sorry. Float City. So we did a mini series in the game Still Fleet. Uh, for 20 episodes. And yes, I was a, a a lizard pilot. He's called a Jalasti, which is like a salamander people and is very innocent little boy who is supposed to be in charge and doesn't want to be in charge. <laughs> right. My heart. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my main game, I'm a water witch named Viv in Shadowrun. Nice. Right. Yeah. Okay. So still, my point still stands, is that it's very funny that you're a lizard boy. A little boy. <laughs> There's a little lizard boy. He wears, he wears three boots. <laughs> so and cute. like, There's something about working backwards for that is that I'm going to do regular plot things, but it's much funnier if I'm a little lizard boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How does a little lizard boy with three boots work and move through the world? <laughs> like two on the feet and one on the tail. Naturally. And so I had a running joke about um, the brands of of ancient like shoes, like oogs. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, cousins, which are Crocs. <laughs> That's yeah. extremely funny. I know. Very, very good. I loved it. But I also drew from what we were talking about mythology. Um, there is an old tradition of when someone passes away, you take their shoes and put them outside um, mm. so that people know that um, that's happened. And so there's a scene where it's not it's not funny, but um, it really solidified this lizard really worships shoes. This is very important to this lizard. And that symbol was just really meaningful in the game. And it was it was really amazing. I love that. <laughs> I love that so so much mm -hmm. i'm gonna backtrack slightly because you were talking about like 
working with comedians, having comedians at the table and then being very quick with improv. Yes. I think that as a player, improv your heart out, but also remember the things that you improv and write them down. And then yes. those create like character moments mm-hmm. later. And you have the ability to like do callbacks and stuff. Like for instance, my character is a dog walker. So anytime <sighs> I mentioned a dog name, I wrote it down so I could remember to mention like Bruiser and Charlotte and Mitzi. Oh, I love Mitzi. Mitzi <laughs> <Yeah>. was huge. <laughs> I do this with all the spirits that I summon. So exactly. yeah, there's, there's Fluffy, there's Albaforth the lobster, Typhine the undine. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I think there's there's something very funny. Um, I'm remembering this Tumblr post that I saw that was like there are two types of campaigns that go tube site they go only one way. There is you start out super serious or like it's Lord of the Rings and then it becomes super silly. It's like I am Legolas and I'm going out and I'm going to save the kingdom. And it's like 30 sessions later, the fluffy butt monster comes and it kills all of you, but but you all jump out of trampolines and it's all wonderful. And then the other one is that you start out being like, I'm butts, butts. McGee the halfling and then 30 sessions later Butts takes his love's face into his hands for the final time and they kiss and they feel their souls intertwine in this life and in the next one and I think I'd rather always stick with the second one is that you start funny and then you find the emotion Mm -hmm. in there so if you're worried about that balance it's like do be goofy to begin with and then as the plot gets going follow the plot and then and then that's everything we're saying is like all the jokes you made in session five or in session one will then become really emotional callbacks in session 25, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you just said, Jen, about the boots. As someone who is DMing for the first time, and I've, I've told Eric a little bit about this campaign before, mm-hmm. but I have three players, like two have like very serious, grim, dark backgrounds. Mm. And so naturally, and like, that's not really the game that I want to play. Just like Eric said, I want to play like a goofy, fun one where they, uh, their emotional stuff will sneak up on them later. So like, naturally the first thing that I did was these two like real grim dark characters I'm like here's some teens that you've now adopted they're (laughs) dorks take care of them (laughs) I was like I'm gonna make you care about these goofy characters good luck yeah I love that that's so funny like uh we played a one shot of Morkborg I don't know if you've played this um it's it's very um death metal vibes but one character was given a talking horse who um when you ask it for advice would up your perseverance score or perseverance roll every time uh you tried (laughs) i'm just imagining talking to the horse being like oh horse we're really in it now yeah (laughs) um and and it really led to uh, some really great moments because what if we were in a bar where's the horse are you gonna lean out the window and yell at the horse? <laughs> Naturally. Naturally, that's We're what you do. We're on a sunken ship. Where's the horse? Can the horse hear you through water? No. It's got a little scuba suit on. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. I love that so much. It's on some driftwood. <laughs> but of course, like, the horse is fine. If To the GM, the horse is fine. But then, of course, you could just get to say something funny, which doesn't get in their way, which I think is really, really adorable <laughs> and, and fun forever and fun for the whole family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hell yes. I think, yeah, I think that we've nailed this. I think this is what we've learned is start funny and go forward. Remember everything that you say so you can make references later and uh, do a little bit of research to make emotional gut punches out of jokes that you started before. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hell yes. Well, I hope that helps you, jokes the bard. Um, and you can be jokey and also uh, help the story go forward. And also be Eric's least favorite class. <laughs> he, okay. All right. <laughs> you know, here, I, 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 this is what's clear to me, right? Role playing games. You are probably a creative person, someone who likes doing fun things, someone who likes uh, t- storytelling. Right. And you, that is all kind of in your head. Right. When they made Dungeons and Dragons, whoever it was who made the bard was like, yo, what I know that I'm not recognized as creative in my life right now. But what if creativity was magic and it turned into spells? Me playing my guitar was lightning. What if? And then people liked me more and I gave the bonuses for them listening to me. Oh, what if? It's such like it is it is whoever created it was like, this is my Mary Sue. I'm putting this in that creativity is magic and powerful. So everyone who likes playing bards, I'm telling you, you are already playing a creative thing. You don't need to play the bard. You could just play a guitar and also have different types of magic. You don't need it. But then what if my guitar could do magic? I don't want to play <laughs> guitar for no reason. Yeah, that's stupid. I only want to play a guitar if it convinces people to do things. You can be a big berserker and still know how to play the guitar. That's exactly. True. What if you played a little ukulele and you were a big guy? What mm, if? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if like Storm Herald Barbarian, but also your guitar channels your rage. What do you have? And you're just not a bard. Uh, listen, the other problem with bard is that bardic inspiration is one of my favorite mechanics so in good. the game. And it's locked behind. No, <laughs> but bard. what if my writing was also perfect? What if it was good? What if it was power? That's just my take. <laughs> That's just how I feel. If you're playing a bard, God help you. Congratulations. That's great. But I'm telling you, there were so many others. There's a lot of other stuff and you're already there. (laughs) Maybe I just want to buff my friends, Eric. Have you thought about that? Maybe I just want to give them inspiration by like (laughs) winking at them. I am glad I play Shadowrun. And in in Shadowrun, we have things called teamwork tests and you don't have to be any specific class to do that. That's true. (laughs) You do need to have taken AP Calculus, unfortunately. (laughs) That's true. No, I failed four times, so I'm really grateful <laughs> to be able to play it. Yeah, but you know how to make calculations in spreadsheets, That's and true. I don't. That's, That's true. pretty cool. That's a prize. That's a, a prize skill. When the apocalypse comes, the people who know how to use Excel are going to come up to the top. That's true. That's what I tell Amanda every night. That like, yes, your your ability to use Excel is going to get us through the singularity. It's going to be very important. Look, I got a pantry, a defensible second floor apartment, and Excel. Let's go. <laughs> Surviving the zombie apocalypse. Here we go. <laughs> people are going to be able to trade with you. You're you're going to be the barter center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be that thing in the like those apocalypse movies where somehow it becomes the wild west again and people are dancing like just a little bit in like skirts that only show their ankles and that's going to be your apartment Jen. It's like from dusk till dawn. Exactly. You remember that? It's going to have such such Fallout 3 vibes, such new Vegas vibes. (laughs) You're like, what do you have stranger? Do you want a new Coca-Cola or would you like some Jimmy Chory that I was making earlier? (laughs) I want post-apocalypse Jimmy (laughs) Chory. Uh, Let's get back to a question. Let's answer a question very quickly, shall we? I have a question from California. Here we come. What games do you like to play at the beach? 
I'm moving to L.A. soon from a landlocked existence and have not spent time at a lake, a river, or other recreational bodies of water. Um, This can be either running around in the waves games or sitting down under umbrella games. But I need something to do when I'm at that sandy place. Oh, sandy stuff. I'm more of like a a book and roll and write kind of person on the beach. Mm. I don't want to get sand in my devices. That's true. (laughs) That's very fair. My (laughs) crevices. So I really like this one called Voyages. It's a very quick roll and write. Um, You roll two dice and one is you can choose on a compass rose. On each directional point, there is a number associated with it, so you can choose where to go. And then the number of spaces is the next dice. And then what you can cross off as accomplishments in, in, a, in a menu thing below that. But I really love that game. That's very cool. Is it like a board game or it comes on like a pad or something? It's a printable. Oh, cool. Ah. A roll and write game, open sea adventure and exploration. Ooh, Ooh. I want to check that out. That's very cool. So you just need a pencil and some dice and a friend. It's uh, one to... Wait. One to a hundred players, 20 Whoa. to 30 minutes. That's so many players. You and all the 99 beach babes at the, <laughs> at the LA beach. Um, it's by Matthew Dunstan, Rory Muldoon, and an, uh, and Postmark Games. That's very cool. I've never heard of that before. Jen, I know you play a water witch. I am a water witch in real life. Yeah, awesome. Um, awesome. So I spend a lot of time in the waves, asleep on a towel, or reading a book. But if I am like there with people and I want to play like game games, one, I love something that you introduced me to, Eric, which is the draft pick game. Oh, yes. Fantasy drafting. I think that's a really fun thing to do that doesn't like require you guys to like break out any dice or anything like that. You don't have to worry about like getting things sandy and like just like fun, like hypothetical question games I think are also very good like beach games because Mm -hmm. everyone's like usually like has a beer is a little bit like out of it because of the sun and just like Mm -hmm. make wild choices so to that point I do think that there is something to buying like the ones that they published of would you rathers which are so bad but I think (laughs) that like since we're so far past people unknowing what would you rathers are that like you get really into those and then people end up making their own either whole cloth or like better versions of the one in the book so there is something worthwhile to like going to like a 99 cent store and trying to like fish out one of like a mad lib like mad lib tm or would you rather tm books yeah absolutely and i think like card games if you don't mind getting your card games a little sandy can be very fun and like i'm not just talking like solitaire i'm talking about like actual like card games i played one recently it was called muffin time (gasps) hell yeah (laughs) it was a lot of fun it's like very much like a card game where it's like the cards you have in your hand matter but also like the things that are happening either around the table or like in the circle of those playing also matter like for example you can be like all right i have a action card that allows me to say that whoever is wearing the most jewelry right now has to draw three cards and you're like you know it's very interesting like i remember pulling that one giving it to someone and then taking off all my jewelry before they could play it (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's like, that's a kind of a fun style game 
that you can do. And there's a million, like literally yeah. a million types of games like that that you can bring to the beach. Yeah, I love all the the low hand, low deck kind of kind of games like love letter is all you know it's only like 10 cards in the whole game and uh what else like coup oh coup is great that one's also helpful because there's not a lot you have to put down for coup it's a lot it's like you only hold two cards in your hand at a time there's like only a deck and then a discard pile so if you need to put something somewhere it's not going to fly away in the wind Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. yeah i'd be afraid of playing anything that had a large deck you know like dominion or munchkin oh (laughs) absolutely And there's also like ones where you can split the decks too. And like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that you half the deck is missing. If you decide like, I'm just taking this handful to the beach. I need to see the person who shows up with like 10 expansions of Munchkin. That oh, would good be God. incredibly intense. <laughs> that would be wild. What are the things that you did as a kid on the beach? Like dig a big hole? I was a dig the big hole. Yeah. I would do one with my feet. Like I'm sitting down in a stationary spot and I would kind of make a foothold. Mm-hmm. For as long as I could, and then the water would come in and and make it go away, and then I would try again. Uh- <laughs> That's adorable. I love that. I was a big body surfer kid. I still am. Like if I'm going to the beach, I'm going to body surf, and the waves are good. You know. Oh hell yeah! Collecting um, seashells, counting yep. seashells, counting birds. Mm-hmm. Watching mm-hmm. birds steal pizza from other people is hilarious. And yes. not being that person. That's the that's how you win. That's the game is not being the person who gets screwed by seagulls. That's the game. It's like who has pizza and who loses the pizza. <laughs> I've seen a seagull take a freaking like whole pizza before. That's really intense. <laughs> I like I like the idea of seeing the seagull fly away with the pizza. Ah, Speaking of the things that you do as a kid, I think that there's nothing wrong with just bringing a tennis ball yeah. and throwing it in the waves. There is, if you you can look on Amazon, there are like beach or or wave balls now that really skip on any sort of water. Um, and you can also buy a few of them. So if they get lost in the water, it's not that big of a deal. But just like throwing a tennis ball or throwing like a water ball thing, buy it for like $5 on Amazon. I 100% recommend that. Frisbee was a huge one too when I was a kid. Oh God, I have Frisbee. I have no dexterity whatsoever and I would drop everything. I was never really a Frisbee kid. The Velcro tennis ball though. Yeah, You remember those? The paddle that has the the jagged end of the Velcro and then it would stick to the ball. It's not the Koosh ball, but it's like the same concept as the Koosh ball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I very much came from like the beach is a place for me to jump and not get hurt thing. So like Mm -hmm. laying out for that stuff into the water is incredibly important. So I'm 100% on board with things that get wet and also are easy to catch so that I can look cool in front of the beach babes. Yeah. (laughs) It's what we're all here for is being hot to the beach babes. Mm -hmm. I lured them in with voyages and then I'm going to show them my my sick layout tricks. (laughs) Incredible. Wonderful. All right. So sometimes I get sucked into the internet and I realize that people need help there as well. Uh, so the final segment that we have here on Games and Feelings are queries from the internet. I cannot believe how echoey I <laughs> was when I said echoey. internet. That was incredibly impressive. Um, I have accessed the Yahoo Answers archive. <gasps> 
<gasps> Although Yahoo Answers is gone, there is still like an archive out there that oh like shows you it shows you like 10 questions at a time. Like you can't search the whole thing. It's very limited. So it feels like kind of like a gotcha pond of Yahoo Answers questions. But I found one that I think is going to be very important for us. This is a question from 15 years ago. This is from Melody. Melody. I hope Melody got her answer before yeah, this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, listen, we'll see. I'm a mom who will be playing laser tag and need an alias. <gasps> Any suggestions to make my eight-year-old son laugh? Oh. I feel like, so this was 15 years ago? This was 15 years ago. Okay, let me think about what social media or like culture looked like 15 years ago. What was funny in 2007? <laughs> Would it, how about like, my mom? <laughs> <laughs> Did I do it? Did I win? I love yeah, that. Borat still funny. Borat still funny. I do have a response here from Laughing Waltz. Mm-hmm. Uh, a play on words alias is always good. If you're a small woman, big berserker mama. <laughs> big Bertha shooting you down. I know. Hope your aim is true and your sights are clean. Splat mama. I mean, if I were a kid on a soccer team and I saw orange slices, I would fall over laughing oh yeah like your mom's tag name is orange slices hell yes i love that i got snacks with an x (laughs) that's very good i love that um there was another answer that said if you're playing with your son gotcha big guy (laughs) (laughs) which is very funny which is like if you made your name like my mom is better at laser tag than me or Mm. something is very funny how about you're grounded it's very good (laughs) I like child's name. In this case, we'll call him Jason. Jason's mom. Gotcha. J- Jason's mom has got it going on. Is that, was that yeah, relevant yeah. in 2007? Ooh, yeah. I don't know if that would make me laugh or make me like cringe yeah. if, I were, if I were there with a bunch of my friends. Eight-year-olds don't know any better. That's I feel true. like they'd laugh. <laughs> it seems like Melody is trying really hard to have their son have a good time. So it's more more for their son than it is, than it mm-hmm, is for her. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you could just go classic and just be like poop. <laughs> Eight-year-olds love poop jokes. They love That's poop true. It's like you guys, you guys were still pooping in diapers like five years ago. Uh, maybe something along the lines of like the cleaner or like <laughs> the poop cleaner <laughs> or like wet wipes. <laughs> <laughs> wet wipes is so funny. <laughs> wet God, wipes imagine good. being killed by wet wipes. Oh. <laughs> Like, you know, if you're playing like a first person shooter and it's see, it's like your gamer tag as well, being like, Captain Thunder 69 got sniped by wet wipes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the problem with laser tag is that like doesn't pop up, right? It doesn't mm. tell you like who shot you. I, I think that there's like a big board in the beginning and then mm. maybe you see it again when you're done. So it's like, oh man, the who had the... Wet wipes came in second. That's really impressive. Oh, good job. Wet wipes. <laughs> Wet wipes. This is very funny how you have to lean into the idea because you have an eight-year-old that like your eight-year-old, much like teachers, you think that they only exist like in this one place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm picturing like, I don't know what the saying is, but that like physical moment where your mom like licks her thumb and wipes something off your face. <laughs> Schmut- oh, you got schmutz on your face. You got schmutz. <laughs> you got schmutz. <laughs> very good. So yeah, Melody, I think any of these would work if if you help if you're still listening and you're still playing laser tag with your son who is now eight plus 15 23 23 <laughs> any of these would work i still think that big berserker mama is very good shout out to laughing wall very very good 
Um, did you ever do this, like, when you were bowling or when you were playing laser tag? I think that, like, a gamer tag is something a little bit more precious to you, but something that's, like, disposable like this. Do you ever, uh, do you intentionally do something when you have to put a name, uh, name on a game? Just because you mentioned bowling. I grew up in a very, like, serious bowling household. Like, my dad was in a league. Like, he was one of those suburban dads. Yo, my dad was also in a league. Yeah, so we didn't didn't mess around when we went bowling. So you were your name, and you went in order on your turn. No one could substitute for you. If you went to the bathroom, bad, bad luck. (laughs) Yeah, my dad was also in a league, but they were were pretty um, serious. Well, not serious, but, like, they all had nicknames and uniforms. So my my dad was Jose the Hammer. Let's go! I love that. pretty good. Like, imagine writing down and putting the hammer down as your name on when you're bowling. I love that. He had it on his bowling ball. You know, I had a hammer insignia and everything. Let's go. I know. That's incredible. And then, like, his, I remember, I don't remember everybody else's names, but there was one, his name was just Rolly. Hell yeah. (laughs) His real name is Roland, and his, his, like, bowling name was Rolly. Yeah. I love that. So good. It's good to know that nicknames were still created in the same way back when our dads were doing it like years ago. And it just like it's out of nowhere. It just doesn't matter. Mm. However you make nicknames is just what it is. Shout out to Rolly. I hope yeah. he's doing it right. <laughs> Rolly, I hope you're a listener. I hope you're a loyal listener. You can join the Patreon. I hope you're enjoying it. Incredible. Shout out to Melody. Shout out to Rolly. <laughs> shout out to uh, Panic at the Disco, Elysium, all you guys. You've been taken out by Wet Wipe 69. <laughs> you know I'm going to make my bowling name Wet Wipe 69 the next time. I hope that it, will, it won't fit, so it's just going to be wet, which is almost <laughs> funnier, honestly. Wet. You can only it's put three layers anyway. <laughs> yeah. Eric, next time you're out on Long Island, we'll go to Bolero and you can do that. Ooh, there's something called Bolero? Yeah, oh. there's a like there's a bunch of bowling chains. I think there's actually one or two in the city. Oh my but gosh. they are like hipster bowling alleys <laughs> and they're great. Um all right, well I think that we've given out a lot of good really solid advice to people who are definitely listening to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for both of you being here. Uh where can people find y'all on the internet? Oh, you can find Jendel Vig on the internet by following Randwitches on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm also on Twitch at J De La Vegs. I also am on a podcast called Fun City with a miniseries called Float City, and that's at funcity.ventures. And you can find me at Julia Shafini on Twitter and at Jules Verne Rose on Instagram. And you can listen to my podcast like, hey, join the party. That's a great show. (gasps) And also Spirits, which is a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore told through a feminist queer lens. Awesome. You got to follow both of them on Instagram for food pictures. Yeah. You just got to. It's it's an imperative. Uh, Well, you can follow me on Twitter at L underscore Silvero. That's E-L underscore S-I-L-V-E-R-O. My name, if I was a Lucha Libre wrestler. If you want to submit questions in here to Games and Feelings, if you want your games and your feelings leveled up, the best place to submit questions is to go to the website, gamesandfeelings.com slash questions. There's a Google form there for you to put everything that you need. Um, and you can come up with your own funny name, but I will come up with a funny name for you. So it's up to you. Whichever, If you're putting it in my hands, that's fine. Or you can check out, there's a link to it in the episode description. You can also follow us on Twitter at Games N Feelings. Games N <laughs> Feelings. Like, it, like it's Toys R Us. Uh, <laughs> because uh, Games and Feelings was too long. And remember, the instruction manual doesn't have anything about feelings. 
It should, though. It yeah. should. It, I should get an instruction manual about how to deal with my feelings. 100%. <laughs> That's what I go to therapy for. 